Well, good morning and welcome to Beacon Church this morning. Whether you're a member here, can I say welcome, whether you're somebody who's just found this onto the internet and thinks, oh, I'll just have a look, or whether you're somebody like our friends in Canada who uh, tune in regularly every week, can we just say welcome to the service today? You are most welcome to be with us and I hope that you're mightily blessed. I don't know about you, but uh, the last few weeks for me uh, have been about persevering. They've been about being determined just to keep going. Um, and uh, I'm sure all of us, we've found different ways of doing that. We've found different things that inspire us or encourage us. We've got different Bible reading plans, different ways of just keeping going, step by step of growing in the Lord. Um, for me, one of the things I've found is Phil Moore in the morning. Now, Phil Moore, uh, who's the leader of Everyday Church in London, he does some daily devotionals, about 10 minutes video each day, um, and they're just great. His new one is called Finding the New You, and it really uh, talks a lot about our joy this week, the joy we have from knowing Jesus, which is just has just been brilliant this week for me to encourage me and to be with me. And interestingly, this week, the passage he focused on was the same passage that Steve used for his first sermon of the year. Do you remember that when he looked at Luke 4? That passage when Luke quotes Isaiah. Um, and what a passage it is. It's one of those that sticks in your mind and in your heart, encourages you and it blesses you. So I thought I'd just read it again as we start this morning. So it is uh, Luke 4 verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That was a great way to start, wasn't it? Talking about the year of the Lord's favour. But I love the idea that Jesus, as he stood up, said the spirit of the Lord is on me. How we need to be regularly filled with the spirit and encouraged. How we need to remember the poor. Um, because however things are for us at the moment, we know that we need to remember those in our community and in our world who will be struggling so much more at this time. And it was great last week, wasn't it, to spend some time thinking and praying about uh, CAP Christians Against Poverty and uh, what Beacon Church and other churches in Herne Bay are doing about that. They're such exciting verses and such inspiring ones. Do read them um, and spend some time encouraging yourself with them. Um, okay well I thought what I would do just to get us started today is to look at a little quote from a preacher. He may not be well known to you, he very really is just becoming known to me. His name is Aaron Burr Senior. He was the son-in-law of Jonathan Edwards. Now, Aaron Burr Senior was an academic. He was a preacher. He was in that. He was with uh, kind of the Jonathan Edwards times, the Reformation in the United States. Um, and he said this. He said the church's extremity is God's opportunity. He knew. Is one thing he said towards the end of his life. He knew that there were times when the church was going to be really tested right as an extremity, and that was the time. That was the time for God's opportunity. How amazing. How amazing. And we need a, a time like that, don't we? we? We need to understand at this time when the church is at its extremity, that this is God's opportunity 
It's God's opportunity in you and in me and in our church and in our nation. <sighs> Amen. Why don't you just, just stand for a moment where you are. Just, just stand. And I'm just going to pray. I'm going to commit the meeting. And I'm going to commit our church into the mighty hands of Jesus. If I do that, you won't see me, but I'm sure you can stand. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you. That however difficult it is, however strange it is, however much joy we have in our heart for you. This is a time of extremity, of personal extremity, of church's extremity, of national extremity. And we pray for your mighty opportunity at this time. That there would be the mighty working of God in our land, in our hearts, in our nation, in our church. Will you come, Lord Jesus? And as you said, Jesus, in Luke 4, that the spirit of the Lord was on me. Will you be on us as well, Holy Spirit? Will you fill us with your spirit? Will you give us that joy of your spirit? So that we can be those who are rejoicing, not in circumstance, but because we know the living God. Amen. Okay, I'm going to hand over to the preacher now, and I hope you're mightily blessed. Well, good morning and welcome. Welcome to what I think is our first sermon on Luke. Um, I know Steve, in the first sermon of the year, he inspired us all from Luke 4, those words from Isaiah the prophet. Um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. So we have begun to look at Luke, but I want to if you like this morning, introduce Luke, but also look at Luke chapter 2, verses 39 to 52. That'll give you a bit of time to look it up. Do look it up in your Bible. And this is about the boy Jesus. Do you know, as we study through Luke week after week for the next few weeks, please do read this amazing book. Look at it, chew it over, think about it, prepare yourself for the next sermon. It will really bless you at this time. By way of introduction, I'm just going to give you a little description of a tree. In the Far East, there is a tree called the Chinese bamboo tree. This is a remarkable tree and it's different from most other trees because it doesn't grow in the usual fashion. While most trees grow steadily year after year after year, the Chinese bamboo tree, Chinese bamboo tree, doesn't break through the ground for the first four years. So it grows underground for the first four years. And then in the fifth year, an amazing thing happens. The tree begins to grow at an astonishing rate. In a period of just five weeks, the Chinese bamboo tree can grow to a height of almost 90 feet. It's almost as if you can actually see the tree growing before your eyes. I think that is a great picture as we begin to study Luke. We may feel we're working hard to keep in step with the spirit, to read God's word, to understand what it might mean for this season. But in the right time, God's time, we will go really quickly and be blessed. So do think of that picture as we study Luke, that we're preparing the ground, we're working underneath, we're working our understanding of Jesus and all he means to us so that we can flourish, so we can grow, so that we can be very productive at the right time. So please turn with me now to Luke 2, verses 39 to 52. Andrew's just going to read them to you. 
just uh, to give context before she does, Luke has just finished detailing the Christmas story in the previous uh, verses um, and other amazing happenings when Jesus was a baby. So just had all those contexts. And this is the, the story about Jesus as a young lad, as a young boy. Luke 2, verses 39 to 52. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ending, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and man. Well, thank you, Andrea. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, as we look at this amazing passage, will you bless us and encourage us? Lord, will you speak to our hearts? Will you teach us? Will you help us to know more about you and to be more and more faithful to the calling and commission you've got on our lives? Will you mightily bless us at this time? Will we see your hand of blessing amongst us? Lord, will we feel the joy of our salvation welling up in us as we get to know you more and more? Lord, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for these words, for these almost 2,000 years they've been written down and inspired Christians for. Will you help us to be really blessed by them? Amen. Now, Luke is very clear at the beginning of the book of Luke, which feel free to have a look back at in another time, that he's doing two things as he writes this gospel. Number one, he's taking eyewitness accounts. So he's talking to eyewitnesses. And number two, he's ordering, he's putting in an orderly, sensible, logical account. If you like, he has a maybe a slightly mathematical or logical brain. But it is, Luke is, is written really, really well as well. It's, it's very well written in the original Greek. So this passage is an orderly account probably from Mary, the mother of Jesus, as the eyewitness. As I read it, that seems to be the only person who could have seen all this. And that is borne out in a number of commentators that I've read. It's also the only passage in the four Gospels 
that talks about Jesus growing up. He wasn't a baby. He wasn't an adult and his adult ministry, but it was him growing up. So it is a particular passage in scripture. John Piper, the American pastor and teacher, I'm going to quote a couple of times today, says of Luke that he was a careful writer and a cultured man. Luke carefully and deliberately included this passage in his gospel. It's deliberately there. It's there for a reason. And, you know, as I read it, I've read this passage a number of times. I saw some of you have certain things that come out to me as I read it and reread it. Certainly questions, certain ideas. And so I'm going to ask some of those questions to you. And strangely, I'm not going to answer all of them. So maybe some of them will be great for you, for your small group, for your growth group this week, just to chew over with friends and say, what, what about this? What about that? So let me, let, let me ask a, a few questions. I can ask questions now. I'm on video. Nobody can stop me. So let me ask some questions. Number one, and maybe the, the most important one, what is the key line or phrase in this passage? Many passages of scripture, they have you like, like a hinge line in them. What is that hinge line that is the real focus that Luke has got in this passage? Number two, does this passage tell us anything about the physical appearance of Jesus? Because it's interesting how little the physical appearance of Jesus is actually mentioned in the New Testament. Number three, did Jesus treat his parents badly? Because he, did he disobey? What did he do? It was strange, wasn't it? It's a strange passage. And actually, it's quite clear in there that he didn't feel that he did disobey his parents. And that's a key point that comes out there. But did he treat his parents badly? Did he sin? OK, here's, a, here's another one that will get you, you thinking about it. If Jesus was fully man and fully God, how can he increase in wisdom. Verse 52 talks about increasing in wisdom. How can he do that? If he's fully man and fully God, so he's fully God, how can he increase in wisdom? And apart from being a great story, what is the point of Luke retaining this in the gospel? Matthew didn't, Mark didn't, John didn't. Why did Luke retain this story? What is the difference? What difference does this passage make to my life in the 2021 pandemic? What's the point? What difference does it make? Another one. What can I learn from Jesus here? Well, there we go. From an easy passage into some controversy. And I'm sure you'll have some great time talking about those. I will answer many of those and I'll give hints to one or two others. But I just thought it's good just to look at the question, to examine it, to think about it. OK, so let's start, first of all, with that idea from uh, verse 52 where it talks about Jesus increasing in wisdom, growing in wisdom. Interesting, isn't it? Because that talks about, to me, questions, some of the kind of deity of Christ. How do we understand that? OK, so let's start from there the, with the humanity and the deity of Christ. That's my first point today. Just have a look at that. We can easily say that Jesus is fully man. And what that means is when he walked the earth, that he would have felt joy. He would have felt laughter. He would have felt sadness, cold, hot, greed, grief, everything that we feel. And he had also had the temptation to sin. He would have been tempted to sin. 
But we, it is very clear, the Bible is very clear that he was tempted to sin, but without sin. Hebrews 4.15 says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weakness, but one who is in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus didn't sin. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't ever turn his back on God. He was always faithful and true. He always did the right thing. So the other side of that is the deity of Christ, that Jesus was fully God. John 10 verse 30 said, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So he's saying that he's one essence with the Father, i.e. he is God. He possesses all the attributes of a deity. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He is sovereign. He is everywhere, omnipresent. Those are all the essence of God. He is, has the same essence as Father God. Wow, what a God, what a king. Fully human to understand exactly how we feel. Fully God knows everything. He has the power and the character to help us in our weaknesses. Amen. So what does it mean in verse 52 there, that he increased in wisdom? And when I've got these challenges about the Bible, I often look to certain people. And John Piper, who I've mentioned earlier, he's somebody I think really explains theology, our understanding of God well. He says this on this passage, but it is not easy to imagine how Christ can be God and not be omniscient. Evidently, the incarnate Christ, Jesus on earth, was able somehow to bracket or limit the actual exercise of his divine powers so that he had the personality of God, basically the motives and the will of God, but the powers of knowing all and the infinite strength of God he somehow restrained. They were his potentially, and thus he was God, but he surrendered their use absolutely. So he was man. So you see here that somehow this amazingly powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent God somehow reduced his powers in order to be man, in order to come and live amongst us and fully understand how we live, to sense our weakness and to be able to sympathise and empathise with us. Wow, what a God. I hope that's clear to everyone. OK, number two. Um, what is the key line or phrase in this passage? What is the key one? What focus would we have? And I think the key part and where we do see a revelation of Jesus is verse 59. And Jesus says this to his parents. Did you not know I must be in my father's house? Now, Leon Morris, a commentator on this passage, says these are the final the first, sorry, not final, the first recorded word of the Messiah and are then a recognition of his unique relationship to God and of the necessity of his being in the Father's house. The rationale that Luke had for the beginning of his logical account of Jesus in the gospel was to reveal the character and identity of Jesus. And this was the element of revelation that comes through this passage. There are two others earlier in Luke. In Luke 2 verse 11, the angel said, for unto to us this day in the city of David, a saviour 
who is Christ the Lord, is born. So we've got here Jesus being a saviour revealed in Luke 2, that he's Christ, that he is the Lord. And then Luke 2 verse 32, Simeon said baby Jesus would be a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, for the glory of your people Israel. So here we see this idea that he's a light for the revelation, that Jesus is a light to understand, not just for the people there, the Jews, but for everybody, the revelation. And that we would see his glory in Israel and beyond. And now in this passage here, we have a revelation that this boy was now a boy who had God as his father. He was divine. And that's the understanding that's slowly coming through in this logical way that Luke does it. So to conclude, what difference does this passage make to my life, to your life in the 2021 pandemic? In order to do that, I'm going to give you another story. This story here is from Alan Snuggs in his book, Surrounded by Jesus. It describes a situation that he was in when he was a young policeman in the 1990s in Chiswick branch of a police station in London. So the police was in different parts and he was in the Chiswick group. He was small and looked very young. And one night, and as an undercover cop, he was paired with an older eccentric partner, Bill. So he was there undercover and he saw a group of youths stealing a Ford Capri. Remember those, the Ford Capris? Um, and the Richmond police, who of course didn't know Alan at all, swooped in, they arrested the youths and of course, Alan as well. As our young Alan was being booked into the cells as one of these potential car thieves, he saw Bill at a distance with, of course, his friends in the Richmond police and shouted, Bill, tell them who I am, for goodness sake. Bill, with a smile, said, I've never seen this man before in my life. And young Alan was shut in the cell. An hour later, Bill really enjoyed letting young Alan out of the small dark cell and quipped to him the door was never locked do you know sometimes sometimes we tie ourselves in knots as christians because we don't realize the simplest things that god has for us to set us free to help us live free in our lives we leave the door shut as alan did when he could have got out and part of that is our understanding of Jesus. Do you know he was fully man when he walked on this earth? There may not have been a pandemic, but leprosy was rife. What a horrendous disease. There were a whole host of babies in his lifetime that were killed by an evil ruler. And his land, the land of Israel, was occupied by the Romans. He was living under the ruthless Roman Empire. He understands. And by his grace, by the power of the cross, he helps us to live in the good of his deity and to share with the eternal life with him. He is all powerful, all knowing. We can trust him that he is working for our good, even when we might not really understand it. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for this amazing passage. We want to thank you for your goodness to us. 
want to thank you for everything that you've done. And Lord Jesus, help us to not misunderstand you, to not think of you in odd ways, but to know that you are our loving Heavenly Father. You understand, you are an example for us to follow, and you are a God who empathises with every thought and feeling that we have. But not only that, you're all powerful. You're all wise. You know what you're doing and we can trust you in this time. We can pray to you in this time and know that you will have that amazing, powerful effect on us personally, on our church, on our town and on our country and our world at this time. Lord, it needs you. It needs your grace and your truth. It really does. And we love you and we bless you this morning. Thanks very much. Have a good week. Well, I hope you enjoyed the sermon. I'm not going to say thank you to the preacher because I would be thanking myself. But uh, it is good, isn't it, to be able to allow Steve to have his holiday and have uh, a week off. So I think it's really good. I'm very happy to do that. I'm sorry that you've heard quite a bit from me today. Um, just a few little challenges and encouragements for you. Um, we do have some uh, two songs at the bottom of here. Please do uh, have a look at those. Use them for your devotion and your worship. I think the other thing is do read through the book of Luke as we go through it. Do read through it over the next few weeks. Do chew over it. You might spend two or three days on one passage just going over and over it. Certainly that Luke 4 one. Oh, I could spend a week in there. Do do that. Um, and let's just... Uh, Spend some time in this season walking with Jesus, whether it's um, listening to Phil Moore in the mornings like I do, whether it's finding um, something that really encourages you from the word of God that you read every day. And just finally, if there's anything that we can do here at Beacon Church, maybe you're uh, somebody who'd like some prayer for something. Maybe you're somebody who is looking for a church. Maybe you're somebody who doesn't. No, Jesus, it's all a bit new to you. You found it and you're quite excited about it, but you want to know. Then please do be in touch. There's the details there on the screen for you. Um, well, that's all from me. May you have a mightily blessed week. All the best. <laughs>